ان الحمد لله نحمده ونستعينه ونستغفره ونعوذ بالله من شرور انفسنا وسيئات اعمالنا من يهده الله فلا مضل له ومن يضلل فلا هادي له واشهد ان لا اله الا الله وحده لا شريك له واشهد ان محمدا عبده ورسوله اما بعد صلاص تايم ذن وي بيجان ذا فصل نشأته صلى الله عليه وسلم بمكة وخروجه مع عمه أبي طالب إلى الشام وزواجه بخديجة The chapter regarding the upbringing of the Prophet صلى الله عليه وسلم in Makkah and regarding when he went out with his uncle Abu Talib to Sham and also his marriage to Khadijah radiyallahu anha. We mentioned here, the author said, وَنَشَأَ رَسُولُ اللَّهِ صَلَى اللَّهُ عَلَيْهِ وَسَلَّمُ يَتِيمًا يَكْفُلُهُ جَدُّهُ عَبْدُ الْمُطَّلِبُ وَبَعْدَهُ عَمُّهُ أَبُ طَالِبُ بْنُ عَبْدُ الْمُطَّلِبُ That the Prophet وسلم, grew up as an orphan. And that we've already covered because the father of the Prophet ﷺ passed away whilst the Prophet ﷺ was still in the womb of his mother. And then afterwards his mother passed away too whilst he was, upon one opinion, six years old. But like we said, it is the death of the father that counts. So if a child before the age of puberty loses their father, then that child is considered an orphan Islamically, even if their mother is alive. So after his parents died, يَكْفُلُهُ جَدُّهُ عَبْدُ الْمُطَّلِبُ his grandfather Abdul Muttalib looked after him. And then after he died, two years looking after him, and then he died. After that, his uncle Abu Talib began looking after him. And Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala cleansed the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, cleansed him from the filth of pre-Islamic jahiliyyah. وَمِن كُلِّ عَيْبَ And from all deficiencies, and bad characteristics, وَمَنَحَهُ كُلَّ خُلُقٍ جَمِيلٍ And Allah bestowed upon him all of the beautiful characteristics, حَتَّى to the extent لَمْ يَكُنْ يُعْرَفْ بَيْنَ قَوْمِهِ إِلَّا بِالْأَمِينَ He was not known amongst his people except as the trustworthy one, لِمَا شَاهَدُوا مِنْ أَمَانَتِهِ Because of what they witnessed 
in terms of his truthfulness, what they witnessed in terms of his honesty, integrity, وَصِدْقْ حَدِيثِهِ His truthfulness in his speech, وَطَهَارَتِهِ And his purification from the affairs. So the Prophet ﷺ was known with these beautiful characteristics from a young age, well before becoming a Prophet. He was pure from the ways of Jahiliyyah, pure and cleansed from the ways of the Mushrikun. Rather, he was somebody known to have the best of mannerisms, to have that trustworthiness and integrity in his behavior and speech. And so he was known as Al-Ameen amongst the people. And we mentioned last time the story, the hadith, regarding how Jibreel alayhi salam came to the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wasallam whilst the Prophet sallallahu in those young days was playing with his playmates that Jibreel came and took hold of him placed him down prostrate on the ground and tore open his chest and took out his heart and extracted a blood clot from it. Then he said, that was the part of the shaitan in you. Then he washed it with zamzam water in a golden basin. Then it was put back together and restored to its place. The boys came running to his mother, his nursemaid, the wet nurse, and said, verily Muhammad has been murdered. So they all rushed toward him and found his color had changed. And Anna said, I myself saw the marks of a needle on his chest. So Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala had purified the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, purified him from the practices and the beliefs and the customs of the pre-Islamic days of ignorance in terms of their mannerisms and customs in eating and drinking, etc. The Prophet ﷺ was upon the best of mannerisms. He did not used to go to their, their gatherings where they sit around and drink and eat alcohol involved. He did not used to eat from their meat that they had sacrificed on pagan altars. The meat, the Quraysh, the Mushrikun had sacrificed on their pagan altars. He would not eat from that meat. And if the Prophet ﷺ had participated in anything from the affairs of pre-Islamic ignorance, they would have used it as a reason to reject his da'wah. They would have said that he used to worship and sacrifice to those idols, Allah and Al-Uzza, etc., just like them. But Allah protected the Prophet ﷺ from ever falling into those types of actions and customs and behaviors. Even before he became a Prophet, this was all when he was young and growing up in Mecca. He was preserved and guarded 
from falling into those characteristics. Then it mentions, فَلَمَّا بَلَغَ إِثْنَيْ عَشَرَ سَنَةٍ خَرَجَ مَعَ عَمِّهِ أَبِي طَالِبٍ إِلَى الشَّامِ حَتَّى بَلَغَ بُصْرًا فَرَآهُ بَحِيرًا الرَّاهِبِ فَعَرَفَهُ بِصِفَتِهِ when the Prophet ﷺ was 12 years old, he went out, traveled with his uncle Abu Talib towards Sham until they reached Busra. Busra, which is in the southwest of Syria. They reached that area, and when they got to that area, Bahira, Bahira, the monk, saw him. They came across Bahira, the monk. And when the monk, Bahira, saw the Prophet ﷺ, and he was only how old yet? Twelve years old. He saw him and he recognized him in terms of the descriptions. Because the Jews and the Christians, they had in their revelations the descriptions of the Prophet that is to come. So when this monk, Bahira, saw the Prophet ﷺ, even though at the age of 12 only yet, he recognized those characteristics that he was aware of. He recognized those characteristics and descriptions in the Prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam. Bahira, then this individual Bahira, he was a monk, a monk, the worshippers from the Christians, and. Those who isolate themselves in worship, they seclude themselves away in worship. And of course we know that is not from the practices of Islam for a person to claim that he's going to isolate and seclude himself away in worship as some of the Sufis they do, saying that they're going to isolate themselves and seclude themselves and they're not going to marry, and they're not going to do this, and they're not going to do that, and they're just going to go and sit and worship Allah, and that's it. That is not something which is Islamically established to do, but this is what they used to do. This is what they used to do, the Christians they used to do, and they still do, the monks of the Christians. So, he would isolate himself, he was a monk just like that, and this is from their innovation. So the monk, when he saw the Prophet ﷺ, he recognized the descriptions, because the previous books and revelations that had come to them had the descriptions of the Prophet ﷺ in them. All of the previous books that came down, they contained the descriptions. 
especially the later books like the Torah and the Injil, especially the books, Torah and Injil, they had the descriptions of the Prophet ﷺ within them, and also the attributes of his companions and the Ummah. These types of attributes were all mentioned in those previous books and revelations. So when this monk, Bahira, came across the Prophet ﷺ, only 12 years old yet, he recognized those descriptions that he was aware of from the previous revelations in him. Recognized this was him. فَجَاءَ وَأَخَذَ بِيَدِهِ So he came and took him by the hand. وَقَالْ هَذَا سَيِّدُ الْعَالَمِينَ هَذَا رَسُولُ رَبِّ الْعَالَمِينَ هَذَا يَبْعَثُهُ اللَّهُ رَحْمَةً لِلْعَالَمِينَ So he said, this is the leader of mankind, the messenger of the Lord, of all of that exists, and He has been sent as a mercy to all of mankind. So how did Bahira recognize these attributes? Because they were mentioned in the previous scriptures, and he was aware of them. And he saw in the Prophet ﷺ the nobility, he saw the noble upbringing in him, and that Allah had safeguarded him uh, from his enemies, from the shaitan, so that he would be able to convey the message. The monk, Bahira, saw the safeguarding in the Prophet ﷺ, saw the nobility of upbringing in the Prophet ﷺ, recognized the characteristics of goodness, and piety in the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. And as Allah mentioned in the Qur'an, وَاللَّهُ يَعْصِمُكَ مِنَ النَّاسِ That Allah will protect you from the people. So the Jewish and the Christian scholars, they were well aware of the Prophet that was to come. They were aware of the descriptions that were mentioned in the Torah and mentioned in the Injil, and they knew that this Prophet would come, and that it was close and near to his coming. And so when Bahira the monk saw the signs, he knew this was the final Prophet that is to come. He knew this is the Prophet that those descriptions had been referring to. And it is mentioned that there are Various stories about Bahira, this monk. Some of them are authentic and some of them are not. So then, فَقِيلَ لَهُ وَمَا عِلْمُكَ بِذَلِكَ It was said to him, How do you know that? How do you know that? That he is the Prophet and he is the one that the descriptions are referring to. How do you know that? He said, Bahira said, إِنَّكُمْ حِينَ أَقْبَلْتُمْ 
من العقبة لم يبقى شجرة ولا حجر إلا خر ساجدا ولا يسجدون إلا لنبي وإنا نجده في كتبنا وسأل أبا طالب فرده خوفا عليه من اليهود So they asked Bahira How are you sure of this conclusion you've made That the descriptions you're aware of Are applicable to him and he is the prophet How do you know that So then Bahira he replied That when you approached when you were coming through Aqabah, the mountain pass. When you were coming through Al-Aqabah, that mountain pass, Lam Yabqa Shajarun Wala Hajarun. There was not a single tree nor stone that remained except that they all prostrated. Not a single tree nor stone remained except that they prostrated. وَلَا يَسْجُدُونَ إِلَّا And they do not prostrate except for a prophet. They do not prostrate except for a prophet. وَإِنَّا نَجِدُهُ فِي كُتُبِنَا And we find the mentioning of him in our books. So then he convinced Abu Talib, he asked Abu Talib, requested from him to take him back to Mecca in fear from what the Jews may do. The harm that may come from them upon him if they discovered this. Here it is mentioned then that from the characteristics or the attributes of the Prophet ﷺ is that the trees and the stones they would prostrate to him. The stones and the rocks would prostrate and it is authentically mentioned also that the rocks would give salam to him before he actually even became a prophet. It's mentioned, إِنِّي لَأَعْرِفُ حَجَرًا بِمَكَّةِ That indeed I know a rock in Mecca. The Prophet ﷺ said, Indeed I know a rock in Mecca, كَانَ يُسَلِّمُ عَلَيَّ That it used to give me salam. It used to give me salam, قَبْلَ أَنْ أُبْعَثَ إِنِّي لَأَعْرِفُهُ الْآنِ Before I was even sent as a prophet. That indeed I know a rock in Mecca, that used to give me salam. Even before I was sent as a prophet. And the Prophet ﷺ said, Even to now, I know that rock. 
When the Prophet was narrating this narration, he said, even to now I know that rock, which one it is. And also, there is another example in the Sunnah regarding the rocks and the trees. And in this particular example, it is regarding the trees. There is a narration on one occasion where the Prophet wasallam uh, needed to answer the call of nature. But there was nowhere to conceal himself. And so he dragged a tree and then another one and combined them together. The trees moved and combined them together to make a place of concealment whereby he could then answer the call of nature. In the wording of the hadith it mentions... نَزَّلْنَا وَادِيًا Jabir رضي الله عنه says that we came to a particular valley. أَفْيَحَ فَذَهَبَ رَسُولُ اللَّهِ سَلَّمَ يَقْضِي حَاجَتَهُ فَاتَّبَعْتُهُ بِإِدَاوَةٍ مِّمَّا فَنَظَرَ رَسُولُ اللَّهِ صَلَّى اللَّهُ عَلَيْهِ وَسَلَّمَ فَلَمْ يَرَى شَيْءٍ يَسْتَتِرُ بِهِ فَإِذَا شَجَرَ تَانِي بِشَاطِئِ الْوَادِي فَانْطَلَقَ رَسُولُ اللَّهِ صَلَّى اللَّهُ عَلَيْهِ وَسَلَّمْ إِلَىٰ إِحْدَاهُمَا فَأَخَذَ بِغُسْنٍ مِنْ أَغْصَانِهَا فَقَالَ انْقَادِي عَلَيَّهِ بِإِذْنِ اللَّهِ فَانْقَادَتْ مَعَهُ كَالْبَعِيرِ الْمَحْشُوشِ كَالْبَعِيرِ الْمَخْشُوشِ الَّذِي يُسَانِعُ قَائِدَهُ حَتَّى أَتَى الشَّجَرَةِ الْأُخْرَى فَأَخَذَ بِغُسْنٍ مِنْ أَغْصَانِهَا فَقَالَ انْقَادِي عَلَيَّ بِإِذْنِ اللَّهِ فَانْقَادَتْ مَعَهُ كَذَلِكَ حَتَّى إِذَا كَانَ بِالْمَنْصَفِ مِمَّا بَيْنَهُمَا لَا أَمَا بَيْنَهُمَا يَعْنِي جَمَعَهُمَا فَقَالَ الْتَئِمَا عَلَيَّ بِإِذْنِ اللَّهِ فَالْتَأَمَتَا قَالَ جَابِرْ فَخَرَجْتُ أُحْضِرْ مَخَافَةَ أَنْ يُحِسَّ رَسُولُ اللَّهِ صلى الله عليه وسلم بقربي فيبتعد وقال محمد بن عباد فيتبعد فجلست أحدث نفسي فحانت مني لفتة فإذا أنا برسول الله in this hadith it mentions Jabir radiallahu anhu says that we came with the Prophet in a fragrant valley and the Prophet went to answer the call of nature he says, so I followed behind him with a bucket of water, some type of vessel with water in it. But the Prophet ﷺ couldn't find anywhere to conceal himself. He couldn't find anywhere to conceal himself. And then there were two trees at the edge of the valley. There were two trees at the edge of this Valley. So he went and took one of them by a branch. 
took hold of the tree by one of its branches and said to it, follow me by the permission of Allah. So the tree followed him, just like a camel would on a rope that you were taking. And then he came to another tree and took hold of one of its branches and said, follow me by the permission of Allah. So it similarly moved and began going with the Prophet ﷺ, this other tree, until they reached a halfway point between them. Then he put them together, that tree that came from that side, this tree that came from this side, put them together and said to them, stay together and cover me by the permission of Allah. So they stayed together. Jabir says, I stayed away, kept my distance, fearing that the Prophet ﷺ may feel my presence and move even further away. So I sat down thinking to myself, and then he says, when I turned around, I saw the Prophet ﷺ coming towards me, and the two trees had gone back to their original locations. They had moved back to where they had first been dragged from. So that is an example from the miracles of the Prophet ﷺ, the story regarding these trees, and this incident that happened regarding these trees. Also, there is another example. Jabir radiallahu anhu also narrates about a tree that cried because of the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wasallam. A tree that cried because of the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wasallam. In that narration it mentions أن النبي صلى الله عليه وسلم كان يقوم يوم الجمعة إلى شجرة أو نحلة أو نخلة فقالت امرأة من الأنصار أو رجل يا رسول الله ألا نجعل لك منبرا قال إن شئتم فجعلوا له منبرا فلما كان يوم الجمعة دفع إلى المنبر فصاحت النخلة صياح الصبي ثم نزل النبي صلى الله عليه وسلم فضمه إليه فَإِنُّوا أَنِينَ الصَّبِي الَّذِي يُسَكَّنُوا قَالَ كَانَتْ تَبْكِي عَلَى مَا كَانَتْ تَسْمَعُ مِنَ الذِّكَرِ عِنْدَهَا It is mentioned that the Prophet ﷺ used to stand next to a tree or a palm tree on Fridays. And then a woman or a man from the Ansar said to the Messenger of Allah, why don't we make you a member? So the Prophet said, if you wish. So they made a member for the Prophet after that. So then the next Friday when it came, and the Prophet was shown the member, the tree cried like the crying of a child. The tree cried like the crying of a child. And when the Prophet ﷺ came down from the mimbar, he hugged the tree, hugged the tree until it calmed down. And it was crying, that weeping, 
The tree was weeping. Like the weeping or crying of a child. That type of the weeping and crying. Because of the remembrance of Allah that it used to hear. Because of the remembrance of Allah that it used to hear. Then that tree it used to cry. So... That is some examples there regarding the miracles of the Prophet wasallam, And that was in regards to what this monk had said also. Bahira, when they said to him, how do you know that these descriptions apply? And this is the final Prophet. He said, when you approached from Aqaba, the mountain pass... That there was not a single rock or tree except that it fell into prostration. And they do not prostrate except for prophets. Except for a prophet. And indeed we have found in our books, in our books the descriptions of the prophet that is to come. And so then Bahira requested from Abu Talib that he take the Prophet ﷺ back in fear of what may occur from the Jews. So on this particular trip, they didn't get all the way up into Sham. Because this location where they came across the monk was in the southern region of Syria, which is on the edge, but you'd have to go further up to get into the further regions of what is known as Sham. That area up there is the Sham area. So they were at the tip of it at the bottom in the area of Syria, the southern area of Syria, Busra. So they hadn't reached all the way. They had only got to that area. When the monk Bahira came across them and requested from Abu Talib to take the Prophet ﷺ back because of the fear of what the Jews may do. And that was because of the envy of the Jews. We mentioned already before, all of the Prophets come from the lineage of Ibrahim alayhi salam. All of the prophets and messengers came from the lineage of Ibrahim alayhi salam. He is therefore, because of that, known as Abu al-Anbiya, the father of the prophets. From Ibrahim alayhi salam, there were two lineages. One was through Ismail, and the other was through Ishaq The lineage coming down through Ishaq Is what is known as Bani Israel And all of the prophets and messengers They were from that lineage Except The prophet Muhammad Who came through the lineage of Ismail And that is the lineage where The Arabs arise Bani Israel the other lineage from the other angle. 
The Jews were wishing and hoping that the final messenger would come from Bani Israel's side. But when they discovered the final messenger has come from Ismail salam side, then they envied. They envied the Prophet Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wasallam, and that envy of theirs led to their rejection. That was one of the causes of their rejection of the Prophet Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wasallam. That envy, as Shaykh al-Fawzan hafizahullah ta'ala mentioned, if you look at the history of envy and what envy can lead to, he says the first envy that occurred, occurred from Iblis himself. When Allah commanded them all to prostrate and he refused, it was because of his envy of Adam salam. So it led to the kufr. Then the two sons of Adam salam, Habil and Qabil, one of them killed the other because of envy. Then here, as Shaykh al-Fawzan said, this group of people rejected the messenger and went upon their kufr because of envy. So he mentioned how envy is an old disease. It is a historic disease to envy and there have been destructive consequences of envy. The consequences of kufr the consequences of murder, because one of the sons of Adam then killed the other. Envy leading to kufr, leading to murder, leading to the rejection of the revelation, the final messenger, all because of that envy. So he brought him back, fearing that he may be killed. Then, ثُمَّ خَرَجَ ثَانِيًا إِلَى الشَّامِ مَعَ مَيْسَرَةِ غُلَامُ خَدِيجَةِ غُلَامِ خَدِيجَةَ رَضِيَ اللَّهُ عَنْهَا فِي تِجَارَةٍ لَهَا قَبْلَ أَنْ يَتَزَوَّجَهَا حَتَّى بَلَغَ إِلَى سُوقِ بُصْرَى فَبَاعَ تِجَارَتَهِ Then, in the seerah of the Prophet ﷺ, there was another occasion when the Prophet ﷺ went back up to Sham. And on this occasion, he went with the servant of Khadija radiallahu anha, Maysara. Of course, at this time, the Prophet ﷺ was not, but with Khadija, he was not married to Khadija yet. On this occasion when this happened, this is not because he was married to Khadija, no link there. It just happened to be that he went with that servant who was the servant of Khadija radiallahu anha. So he went with this individual Maysarah, the servant of Khadija radiallahu anha, on that business trip, which was a business trip on behalf of Khadija radiallahu anha, she had sent her servant 
to go and do this business trip. So they had gone. That business trip was being done on behalf of Khadija radiallahu anha. And this was before he had married Khadija. This is before they had married. That this trip to Sham occurred when the Prophet ﷺ went with the servant of Khadija radiallahu anha. So the Prophet ﷺ went to Sham another time. This time he went for a business venture because he had a partnership, a business venture that involved the wealth of Khadija radiallahu anha. There was a business a venture that was occurring and Khadija radiallahu anha had some uh, uh, investment or had some part in that business venture and some capital in that and involvement in that business venture. So he went with her servant Maysara. He went with her servant Maysara. And this was before they'd been married. They got to the market of Busra and they did their business there. When they returned, Maysarah returned, he came and told Khadija radiallahu anha all about Muhammad sallallahu because they had now been traveling partners all the way up to Sham and back. So he came back and he began narrating to her, he's like this and he's like that, obviously narrating all of those good and trustworthy characteristics that he saw from the Prophet too. All of that righteousness, all of that piety, all of that goodness. He came back and he told Khadija radiallahu anha regarding those excellent characteristics that he saw in Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. And that's why the scholars, they mention as well, if you want to know what somebody is really like, you want to know what someone is really like, what their character really is, what that person is all about deep down properly, then the only way or the best way, one of the ways to discover that is to go out on a travel or journey with that person. Because when traveling, when journeying, the reality of people comes out. Traveling and journeying, it takes effort, takes time, takes difficulty, burden, everything, traveling. It brings out eventually the reality of a person. You see their true colors. Whereas when you're relaxing, everything somebody can put on a, an act, can behave in a certain way, and can carry themselves in a certain way, because it's temporary, it's control, it's resident, it's calm, it's easy. But when you're out there, and now you're traveling, and you're away from home, and you need to find food, and you need to find places to rest, and all types of things going on on the journey, that person can no longer put on a front. Now the reality of that person's character comes out, in how you see him dealing with the situations, how you see him dealing with a lack of food on this journey, nowhere to eat, nowhere to find. How does he behave now? When you can't find anywhere good to stay the night, no place to rest, how does he start behaving now? You see the reality of a person and the true character of a person when traveling. 
And that's why they say, some of the scholars, that safar, the Arabic word for travel, safar, is known as safar. Because one of the root meanings of that word safar is to expose and to make clear, to make apparent. And so everybody, their reality is made apparent when out on a journey. So, Maysara had a reasonable level of in-depth understanding of the Prophet Muhammad ﷺ now. After this journey, so he came back and informed Khadija radiallahu anha of the Prophet who was a young man at the time, told her about the nobility and the character, the amazing character that he saw from the Prophet ﷺ. So Khadija radiallahu anha, when she heard all of that, she was impressed. When she heard all of those characteristics of this man Muhammad she was impressed. So, as they say, to cut it short, she then eventually sent her guardian to go and investigate the possibility of marriage with this man Muhammad wasallam. So, her guardian went to investigate this possibility of marriage. And so it occurred that the Prophet ﷺ did then propose to Khadija radiallahu anha. So after Maysara came back, he informed Khadija of the good characteristics of the Prophet ﷺ. She then requested of her guardian to go and look into the issue for marriage. When the guardian did so, the Prophet ﷺ did then take that next step and make the proposal to Khadija radiallahu anha. This, it mentions, it is mentioned, shows the complete, completeness and intellect of Khadija radiallahu anha. That... The beginning of the da'wah, Allah chose her to aid the Prophet ﷺ. Because she was his first wife. She was his wife at the time when he became a prophet, when the revelation began. So Allah chose her, Khadija, radiallahu anha, to be that wife of the Prophet ﷺ, to be that aid to the Prophet ﷺ in the da'wah at the beginning. And she was an intelligent woman. And when the revelation first came and the Prophet ﷺ came back, and he was trembling, it mentions his uh, chest muscles, the, the upper chest muscles were all shaking, trembling when he came back after the event of the cave occurred when Jibreel came and told him to read Iqra'a. اِقْرَأْ بِسْمِ رَبِّكَ الَّذِي خَلَقَ That was the first revelation. When the Prophet came back after that, it's mentioned in the hadith how his, his upper muscles on his chest were shaking, trembling from that event which had occurred, an angel coming down upon him. So when he came home, it's mentioned in the hadith, Khadija radiallahu anha uh, comforted him and told him, كَلَّا وَاللَّهِ مَا يُخْزِيكَ اللَّهُ أَبَدًا No, by Allah, Allah will never disgrace you. إِنَّكَ لَا تَصِلُ الرَّحِمُ وَتَحْمِلُ الْكَلْ وَتَكْسِبُ الْمَعْدُومُ 
وتقرئ الضيف وتقرئ الضيف وتعين على نوائب الحق that you uphold the ties of kinship and you speak truthfully and you help the poor and the destitute and you serve your guests generously and assist those stricken by calamity. So it is mentioned here of the greatness of Khadija radiallahu anha also and the marriage then occurred and upon the most authentic opinion the Prophet sallallahu was 25 and again upon the most recognized opinion Khadija radiallahu anha was 40 there are other opinions there is an opinion she was if I recall 27 and some other opinions like that but what is mostly recognized is that she was 40 years old at the time and in fact they mention she had previously been married twice she had previously been married twice. This also, the scholars mentioned, shows the, the soundness of the intellect of the Prophet ﷺ. That it wasn't just a case of finding a young virgin to marry. Rather, it was a case of marrying a woman of intelligence, a woman of religion, a woman of piety, a woman of great character. As Khadija had. So the Prophet ﷺ married a woman, just like in the Sunnah we're told now, marry the woman with religion. Marry a woman of religion. A woman of righteousness, uprightness. So that is something which can be seen in this example. That the Prophet ﷺ was 25, young. Khadija was 40, already married twice before that. Yet the Prophet ﷺ married her because of the good characteristics in her. And that's why the scholars, they even differ over who is the best of the women then from the Ummah. Is it Khadija radiallahu anha or is it Aisha radiallahu anha? Difference between the scholars. Some of them say it is Khadija over Aisha. She was the best. Because of what she did in those early days of Islam and her defense for the Prophet ﷺ and consoling the Prophet ﷺ, supporting him. Others they say, no, Aisha radiallahu anha is superior because of how much sunnah she learned and memorized and taught. But some of the scholars have mentioned Ibn Qayyim, Ibn Taymiyyah, that in reality Aisha and Khadija radiallahu anhuma. They both have their independent virtues, separate to each other. The virtues of Khadija are related to the early stages of Islam. Whereas the virtues of Aisha are related to the latter stages of Islam. So both have their virtues in their own respects. So that is where we'll conclude today. The fact that the Prophet ﷺ married Khadija radiallahu anha. The next time then we'll start on the next section, which now brings us up to where the revelation now does begin. So we've mentioned about the upbringing of the Prophet ﷺ, his birth and all of that story from there. Him going to Sham and then this incident afterwards going to Sham again, marrying Khadija. The next step now is going to be 
when the revelation began, and that is when the Prophet ﷺ was 40 years old. That's where we'll pick up from, inshallah ta'ala, next week. Um, at the, the time, inshallah, it will be uh, 7 p.m. Today there was uh, somebody who was looking to enter into Islam. So I was held back, had to speak to the person for a while. They were looking to enter into Islam. They wanted some details and information, so inshallah ta'ala. So I was delayed because of that, but inshallah, normally 7 p.m. It will be, inshallah ta'ala, 7 p.m. Uh, 7.30, yes, 7.30. 7.30. p.m. next week, inshallah ta'ala. So, we'll round off on that for today.